Good evening, folks. We got another edition of the Warriors of the Velvet Rope from uh, the Deadly Order Survival Magazine. We, of course, have Nathan Ingram, the CEO, founder, his uh, brilliant son with graphics and everything else and marketing, Mr. Jacob Ingram, myself, Glenn Beck, uh, the writer, one of the writers. And today we're interviewing Alpha. Grignon. Alpha's a longtime friend of mine and Nathan's. He is, uh, well, I don't want to pat his back too much, but he is an exceptional bouncer. And most people might be thinking, you know, what does it take to be a bouncer? A lot more than you might think. Um, and a bodyguard. We're not talking about the easy clubs. We're not talking about the easy bodyguard. We're talking about the rappers. And sure, they're never easy. I don't care who they are, unless they're doing their job and going right home, it's not easy. So anyway, Alpha, welcome, welcome, welcome. Us, us family, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. You know, due to scheduling conflicts, man, we can never get this together, man, but I'm glad that, uh, you know, it finally opened up and I'm super honored, man. You know, these are my big brothers. You know what I'm saying? Glenn's my big brother. Grandmaster Apollo is my big brother. That's my big bro. So, you know, we actually met back in 1994. Yeah, yeah. I was 18 years old. Yeah. I had the pleasure to meet Apollo and his brother Lucifer back in the days, you know, and they were my they were my role model in nightlife coming up. And and Glenn was my 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 guide, my he guided me through so many obstacles. He helped me learn so many things. He taught me so many things. So I'm just, it's just a pleasure and honor and I, and I love to give it back, man, because, you know, these guys were super influential in my life growing up. And cause I was just, I was, I was a young man with no direction. So if you could tell me what to do, you can tell me what to do. If you can't tell me what to do, you cannot tell me what to do. So these gentlemen were strong enough and men enough and smart enough to tell me what to do, and I listen. Now, what clubs did you meet at? Well, yeah, well, let's yeah, let's start out with before uh, we go. Before we go there, I just want to two things. I want to say number one is a lot of people don't know me as Apollo, so I have to let everybody know that was my nickname back in the days as a uh, bodyguard bounce slash bouncer. And Lucifer was not my biological brother, but he was one of the guys that worked in the club who I met in 1994, who we became roommates. So a lot of people don't associate me with that name, uh, but with the person that was I uh, that was his nickname. His real name was Ricky Gray, but we referred to him as Lucifer. So I wanted to clear it up because a lot of people Lewis. know I'm a Christian. I'm Lewis. a Christian, and and the first thing they'll say, well, we thought you know Nathan was a Christian, but his brother name is Lucifer. So just to, to clear the air, thank you for acknowledging him because he was a really good friend of mine. And, and a brother, you know, we called each other brothers, but he was a really, really good person. Well, go ahead, continue. Hey, look, Glenn, Glenn's my big brother. Don't we look alike? <laughs> yeah, from the eyebrows up. Yeah, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, brotherhood has no, you can't really choose who ends up being your brothers in arms. Yeah. The situation chooses you. You become brothers by what you go through. Yeah. And who has your back when things are great? Things get dark. Who has your back? Who has your best interest in mind? You know, that's what happens. That what makes you brothers. That's the joint, the glue that binds. Right. 
good, so, good clarification. Yeah. Uh, so Jacob had asked a question about which club. So let's start with where you started and what you were doing as a bouncer, because that's important. Your start. Your super, start is super important. Okay. Super so, important. so so as a 18-year-old young man, uh, you know, we're from Flatbush, Brooklyn, and people don't understand, like, in the 90s, crack was the worst pandemic where we all ever had to go through. It's 10 times worse than anything else. Anything that's happening now, and um, it molded the streets. It molded. It was. It was. It narrated a bunch of stories, and everything was wild. It was definitely the 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 the, the urban equivalent to the wild wild west. Um, so I used to walk my dogs at night, and we used to go by the club. And uh, there was a nightclub called the Ark. It was over there at Twenty Two Daria Place, by the Sears in Brooklyn, New York, and and I lived probably four blocks away, five blocks away. And me and my other partner at the time, we walked the dogs in that area. And as we was walking the dogs in that area, I met Joe from Black Belt Security. Joe was a big English dude, biker. And he had dogs at the time as well. He, he was doing the canine security. And he's like, man, your dog is pretty good with a little bit of polishing up. She'd be perfect for this. And I'm like, perfect for what? He's like, I can get you a job here. I'm like, Doing what? Like, you know, crowd control. Like, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a picket line scenario. You know, people, when, when, when you're dealing with Brooklyn Budman, they don't really respect anybody, but everybody fears dogs, believe it or not. So by us having the dogs and having the dogs, either a big dog or a medium-sized dog with a big presence, that's all you really needed. And I had a medium-sized dog that barked like thunder, you know, so, that's what, that was, that's what helped me get into the, the nightlife. And it was a super instrumental into the life that I'm in now because I am also a world-renowned dog breeder and I breed County Corsos and I've been doing this since 1994. So for all my adult life, I've done martial arts, nightclubs, and dogs. So, um, so you did your time at the ARC. Started at the Started at the ARC. Now, who pulled you into the ARC other than Joe? Who else, who else is influential or running stuff? So it was crazy because we had Joe noticing my dog, of course, because he's a dog man. And then Joe represented Black Belt Security. And at the time, at the ARC, Rami McCullen, Master Rami McCullen was a uh, um, the super the site supervisor. And then the the head of security was uh, Jeff. And he so so at the time, everybody knew that Joe was going back to England. So Rami offered me a job. Um, and then that went away. I think they brought in uh, Diggum and Chalk from Canine Powerhouse. And then uh, uh, Jeff was like, yo, Alf, I need you here. Because Black Belt goes all over the place. I need you to say, here. I want you to be the resident. And of course he paid me a little less, but it was all good. You know, it was my first job. It was my first job in nightlife. So, you know, it paid double what a man was. You got paid for the dog and you got paid for yourself. So it's double pay, I'll take it. You know what I mean? So, um, so, and we did that, but it was super dangerous. It was super dangerous. But uh, Rami, Rami from Black Belt Security at the time and Jeff from the Ark, they were all instrumental of me. They all played a part of me being there. And then what are some of the other, let's start with Brooklyn. What are some of the other Brooklyn clubs that you did? Because there was a time that you went from Brooklyn into the, into the sunshine that we call Manhattan versus the darkness of Brooklyn. Mm. And, and listen, I want, I want to give Glenn the credit. He, from the minute I met Glenn, probably 95 or 96, Glenn? Uh, 90, late 90s. No, no, 95, 95. 95. Because I started Tunnel, I started Tunnel summer of 95. 
So I'm, I'm at Glenn, and and we, you know, it doesn't sound like a sh- a long time, but when you're working seven nights a week, it's a long time. Yes. And worked every night. Um, Glenn was like, "Yo, you go to come to the tunnel." I said, "Yo, bro, I'm not leaving. I can walk to work. I can walk to work. I'm not getting on the train all the way to Manhattan for the same money. We're making good money in Brooklyn. I'm gonna stay here." But the difference between Brooklyn and Manhattan is Manhattan was kind of like neutral ground. In Brooklyn, the, the gunfire rang out consistently. It was frightening. You know, I, I, I sit down and I think back to some of the stuff we went through. I was like, Jesus, thank you, God, for bringing me to, to this point where we are now, you know, because like a lot of my brothers didn't survive. Amen. That's right. So That's I, right. I'm super grateful. And, you know, I didn't think I was going to live. I didn't think I was going to die, but I definitely didn't think I was going to live. So I'm at the right age of 48 years old. I, I mean, not lucky because, you know, I stay stress-free. But uh, it, I was able to, you know, survive this long. And now that I'm at the age of 48, I'm getting ready for 50, 60, 70. I'm going to be sexy grandpa. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I know. The the, club. I'm sorry, the clubs. Okay. The clubs. Yeah. So we did Trinity Hall, Belkmore Ballroom. Uh, Legends, uh, BEC, we did uh, Caribbean Dome. After the arc, I did Caribbean Dome. I did Caribbean Dome for a long time. When I got there, Big Ben was there, and Ben was, you know, he was the head of security, and he was doing everything himself. He's searching people. He's throwing people out. I'm like, yo, my man, how many guys you got here? He's like, oh, seven of us. So why are you doing all the work? He goes, I don't trust them to do it properly. Fire them then. I said, stick with me, big man, I got you. He goes, okay, I feel so he's like, let me see your searching skills. I showed him my skills. He see my skills outside with the Crockett Show. I said, man, I got brothers just like me to get busy. He goes, okay, bring them. So we had a team over there and we all held him down and we you know reformulated what he was doing and he didn't have to work so hard no more because now he had an actual team. Right. Um, we did that for a long time. And then we also did like, it, it, it's crazy because the part of Brooklyn I'm from, which is Flatbush, it's the 7-0 precinct. In the 7-0 precinct, there were so many clubs. In that, in that, in that Flatbush, East Flatbush area, there was just so many clubs, big clubs too. You had, you had a reggae club, you had a Trinity club, you had a soccer club, you had a Haitian club, you had a hip-hop club, and then you had clubs that played it all. So it was, and then, and then you had the little bars in between. All the little bars, all the little uh, restaurant that turns into clubs at night, the infamous footprints, you know? Stuff like that, you know, that and it were all over the place. So there was always a, a influx of work to go around if you had the heart to do it. Right, right. So now, um, we you went over into Manhattan with me and some of the other guys that I had working with us over at the Palladium and Tunnel Limelight Club USA, um, where Rob Fisco was. Uh, Rob Fisco and his brother Patty were uh, security managers. Sterling Cox, who we're going to have on the show soon, right, sir? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I can't, can't is a superstar. And um, yeah, yeah. And uh, don't forget to join our Patreon at Dow's TV, where you'll get access to free perks such as listing your small business or dojo in our print magazine, free ebooks, paid commission, and more. Um, oh, and Ray Montgomery, as far as security management yes. stuff, that we all sort of worked together and did stuff. And um, so, tell us. Tell us a good story. Okay, let's start with the tunnel. Let's let's start with the tunnel because it was the most difficult of what we were doing. Absolutely not. Tunnel was not the most difficult. 
We had, a, thought, four, we had a ball at the tunnel. Right, I but, but regardless, it could turn on a dime. What, yes, yes, sir. Without, That's you, what right, I thought so about. So let me explain the atmosphere at the tunnel. Every thug, every... Male or female. Male and female. Yeah, male and female. Every, every less desirables, every, every hoodlum from here, there, and everywhere in the tri-state area, every, the guy that you walk Drug past dealer. in the bodega, yeah. the guys that was sitting on top of the dumpster, the guys that's playing dice in the lobby, in every borough from Connecticut to Long Island to Staten Island to all five boroughs. Jersey. Where, Jersey were in the tunnel and the guys came as far from as far as Boston Virginia. and, 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 and yeah. DC to come to the tunnel on a Sunday night because they called it the Mecca. Yeah. You know, and it was but but what I enjoyed about the tunnel, I'm coming from a place that holds a thousand people and there's only five guards or, or six guards if we're real lucky. And then I'm going to an environment where of course it holds three thousand or four thousand or five thousand people, but we had 80 guards. Yeah. We had anywhere between 60 and 120 guards, depending on the Yeah, night. so so and now the guards are not just ragtag guys, these guys were the toughest guys in every hood from every area yep. that worked at the tunnel. Yep. Real yep. dudes. And from prison. And from prison. And, and, and guess what? Yeah. And guess what? If somebody, if you felt that somebody didn't have your back at the end of the night, you could request his pain. Personally. Personally. Hey, Sterling, I take his money. Now, he ain't get paid tonight. He ain't do nothing. I'm going to take his money tonight. Tell him to come get it from me if you want it. And it was just like that. Yeah. It was just like that. Because a lot of, I had a big complex. I'm barely 5'11". So there was only six foot five guys, tougher than tough. And when the fight is that way, they running this way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, yeah. or they looking busy, but never get involved. Or they didn't see it, or or they didn't. Oh, we I they missed were in the it. bathroom. They just missed it. You know what I'm saying? Or they were in the bathroom. So you know, for me, I was like, man, not cool, bro. We needed you. We needed your body. We needed your mass. We needed your height. Where were you, man? I, I'm there. Oh man, you, you know I get busy. No, I don't know anything at this point. We don't. We don't know. We don't see it. We don't believe it. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, people going home with double pay every year and there. And then, and then the guys who they were getting to pay from never showed up again. Nope. Or, or a lot of them didn't even argue it. Yeah. What? You know, I'm not getting paid. Why? Such and such guy. He said, uh, you didn't do your job. That was that. Yeah. Sterling be like, got to talk to Alfred Bolo for your pay tonight. Love it. All right. It was, it was so bad at the tunnels that you had to walk in groups of four. Because at any point you can get stabbed, <laughs> you can get uh, razor bladed, you know. Yeah. I was so naive, sir. You know, I'm a mess. You mm -hmm. know, I'm a mess. I was so naive. I had to tell my, because where we come from, Brooklyn, everybody fight. Come from a planet, we come from a planet called Krypton. Everybody fights. So I had to tell myself there's tough guys in every hood because at some point, I just didn't see it anymore. You know, we was in and out and, and thank God we had our, our martial arts training that made everything so much easier. And 
I wasn't drunk. I wasn't high. I was ready to work. Mm. And I had a bunch of fresh techniques that I wanted to work out. So that was the mindset. So, you know, it, I, had a, I had a real close experience one day. One time I'm in the tunnel and I'm chilling, you know, thinking I'm high on the hive, I'm boss hog. And it just happened to be that these guys were plotting on one guy that must have snitched and got out of jail or whatever. And I didn't see it at all. And no lie to you, he was standing a person and a half away from me. And they jumped him with champagne bottles. It scared me to my core. I couldn't get the radio out fast enough. Because I couldn't believe it could have happened. It could have been me. It could it could have been me. And there's nothing I could do about it. Nothing would have helped. Because no matter how tough you are, if you don't see it coming, it is right. what it is. That's right. So I was like, ah, correct, correct, correct. Yes, for death, for death, for death, look. And as I felt the footsteps getting closer, I, I started helping, but that guy was on his own for a little bit because he, heroes get buried together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, was, it was that serious. But it, you know, after that point, before the game was over, and then I kept my head, head on the swivel, and then I didn't take anything like me after that point because it could have been me. A lot of people that don't know, when you get hit with a Moet bottle, does just as much damage as getting hit in the head with a pipe or a bat. Because the bottle yes, doesn't break. Because the and bottle doesn't break. I remember working at a club. You guys probably remember this club called Travago Square yeah. in Jamaica, Queens. And I was, uh, we, we had a security detail for Tupac. And I might have told the story before. And we was up on stage, myself and a, and a bunch of my students. And because most of the security were my students, and I was the head of security there. And I remember as Tupac was performing, a bunch of guys uh, apparently spotted, just like the story you're telling, Alpha, make this story shorter, though, um, seen a guy that they had a problem with. And they began to hit this guy with Moet bottles. And when I tell you, this guy brains was hanging out the back of his head. He, it was the most horrific thing I had ever seen. And when he was walking through the crowd after they finished him, he was like walking, he was a dead man walking. And the crowd just parted like the Red Sea. You seen women fainting because they were horrified of what they seen. They just went into shock. They were fainting because this guy was walking just like a daze, like a zombie with the brain hanging out the back of his head. It was it was hard. But back to you, Alpha. So I just had to say that for our read for, for the listeners, how horrific it is to get in the hit in the head with a, a, a Moet bottle. It's it's a horrific thing. You know. You know what I want to say to you, sir? Yes, sir. What's I that? gotta tell you, I never really understood why you were so calm. As I'm <laughs> older so now, yes, because I knew, I, I knew you, and I knew you were a hell of a, a hell of a warrior, but I didn't know your martial arts story to your depths of it. But now that if we are older, wiser, and we know the full story now, <laughs> I see why you were so calm, because it gives you a a resolve that you know it's going to be okay because your training will never leave you alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And I tell everybody that. I said, listen, I tell my kids, I can go anywhere, any country, any place in the world. I speak foolishness in every language because I'm properly trained for it. I'm trained and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm comfortable everywhere I go because I make myself comfortable because I see things everybody else doesn't see. You, I, see you know, weaknesses, I see weaknesses everybody don't see. I see, 
I could pick a fighter out the bunch. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, one of me, me and my black belt was uh, talking last night. Ishmael, um, she on Ishmael, Jake. Mm -hmm. And we were on the phone and he was saying to me, he said, you know, some guys uh, uh, that I met um, in a roller skating ring at, uh, they used to go to Roxy's was asking, have, when he, they found out that I was his instructor, they said, how's he doing? Man, that was one of the most calm guys I ever met club so it's, it's kind of funny because i never seen myself like that i hear from people all the time i wow. think for the most yeah and this happened last night and for the most part why I was so I, I if i had to say i don't know you know i think because i was older than most of the guys even back then i was not i was still older than most of the guys yeah. you know um so and a lot of them were very immature they were wild they super. just jumped super and wanted fight right away and that their first thing was it wasn't restraining their their interpretation of restraining was beating the crap out of you you know that was about as far as restraining as we can get because back during that time we can get away with it you know so or they can get away with it because i didn't i never was one of those guys that jumped people i always even when i was in a tunnel one thing a lot of people don't know and i'm not bragging about this one thing a lot of people i never walked with the group i always walked by myself I wouldn't allow them to let me walk with a group because I felt that a lot of those guys that walked in the group were, were targets, more targets because it looked like they were walking around for trouble, looking for trouble. So when I was by myself, um, you know, I, I was kind of like a little less conspicuous. Than no, you wasn't. You're you, you were the most fit person in the whole place. I don't know about that. <laughs> Glenn, am I, am I lying? You're the most fit person. In all the clubs. <laughs> yeah, okay. You can say no all you want. You can say no all you want. You have like battleships for arms. What are you talking no. about? Let's let, let's Still. keep it, let's keep it on him. Let's keep it all right, on him. All right. I just told so, that story right. because the boy so, Okay. Yes. So all right. So Alpha, uh, give me one, give me one crazy story from the tunnel. There's a hundred to choose from. Just pick one and start talking. You know how hard that is, Glenn, because we've been- Because you can't just pick one. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, you, you know, people, you start telling these stories and people, you know, I, I know why he's stuck. I would be stuck because so many things happen. So many. I got a good one. I was just talking about this one the other day. Ook. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. My big brother, Ook. Uh, doing crowd control. Guys, let's go, let's go. Play the front, play the front, play the front. Let's go. You gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move. And there was a guy who just built like Suge Knight, big boy. And ooh, and he's and he had a he had like a a Kugi sweater. You know, you could tell he's a hustler, makes money. He's talking to Ooh. Ook is like, sir, you gotta move, you can't stand here, big fella, blah, 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 blah. He looks down at Ook, like, man, I'm on the phone. He's like, sir, we all got a job to do. He goes, You got a job to do. hold on. You make a hundred dollars, took a hundred dollars, bowled it up, threw it. Oh, he says, You pay for the night. Go away from me. He got back on the phone. Ook hit him one time, broke his wrist, broke his hand, broke his nose, broke his, 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 his eye socket, and broke his jaw. Broke his phone also. Obliterated the phone. And and Ray Montgomery. No, 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 no. Yes. No, no. Pete. No, no, um, not Ray Montgomery, uh, the other one. Mark, Mark, Mark Murray. Mark Murray. Mark Murray's like. What the hell, Ook? He goes, Yo, Mark, man, he hurt my feelings. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hurt my And I'm sitting there cracking. Like, he's like, Alpha, you didn't do nothing to stop him. Like, how am I going to stop him? Uga's Captain Caveman, Uncle Bunga. How am I going to stop him? He, he, he stopped when he's good and ready. You know what I'm saying? I can't stop him. And he's like, yo, man, he hurt my feelings. Oh. Now, how did he, how did the guy break his hand? He punched him in the hand. He punched he had him in the, the phone him. like this. He was holding the phone like this. Wow. He, he broke everything. He crashed him. Everything. All of this, gone. Wow. <laughs> the phone was in splinters. He was on the floor like this. <laughs> it was crazy. And this guy was like 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, go ahead, go ahead. that's a total story. Um, you know, they were so also crazy. They were also crazy, man. I got a good one. One time, Puff Daddy performed in the tunnel, and they had the DJ booth. They had the stage by the DJ booth. And I, I believe he performed all about the Benjamins. And the, the, the stage was bouncing. Because I guess they put it together real quick. Because I guess he wouldn't stay by the DJ booth. He didn't want to go all the way into no man's land. So he stayed right in the front. And then he's rapping. His pinky ring flies off. And we all watch it go through the crowd. Like, oh. And then he gets on the mic and goes, yo, man, this is $200,000 pinky ring. I need it back. Everybody started laughing. I'm getting that back. Right, but everybody saw it. It was like, bing. Like, oh, gone, gone. Wow, wow. And, and the women, the women was just as bad as the men. Yes, we had a group. We had guys that used to like fondling women. Well, this one guy fondled the wrong one. I don't know if it was a group of sisters and cousins. I think it was the blend of three sisters and four cousins or something like that because they were the unity was. Impeccable. They didn't, this is not the first time. They beat respect and boundaries into him. You understand what I'm telling you? <laughs> I, guess, I guess he found the one of them. They took the heels off. They took the heels off. Well, Master Flex was like, security in the DJ booth. Security. Some dudes getting beat up by a bunch of chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. And, 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 and the other stories are so out there, I, I can't even mention them, to be honest with you, in yeah. mixed company. Yeah. yeah. So what, you know, every bouncer who worked years ago, real bouncer, real bouncer, we're not talking about the guys who made a couple bucks and ran home. Talk about real bouncers, the, the three of us, a bunch of all of our friends and such. Um, although it's not documented, just about every one of them is a felon. Now, not because he went to jail <laughs> as a felon, but because he did felonious acts. Oh, yeah. about the beatings that we wound up giving people or groups of people or whatever for a hundred different, you know, real cause reasons. It's not like we were picking on people because we weren't. Never. But um, did you ever get arrested for anything? Unfortunately, I've been arrested 14, 15 times. Fighting wow. the last two times. The last two times was me and Rel. We're working at a party. I don't even need to mention the club. It was a birthday party inside. And Rel, one of my brothers as well, he's the known troublemaker. And he's bigger than that. He was bigger than everybody. Wide shoulders, Anthony Mason shoulders. 
I told Rel, I said, Rel, I love you, I respect you. I'm making good money here. I said, if you jeopardize my money for you, if you jeopardize my money, Bill, we're never gonna stop fighting. Every time, every place, every time I see you, we're gonna fight. You're like, come on, Alf, man, I just need to make some money, blah, blah, blah. I said, yo, listen, man, if there's any complaints on you, you gotta go. If you do anything crazy, you gotta go. You come in late, you gotta go. He's like, yo, Alf, I just need to make some bread. I said, all right, no problem. And I guess he met the owner at another club, and he's like, yo, I got Alpha as my security, head of my security right now, my supervisor. He's like, Alpha? That's my brother. They brought him over. He's smiling. I'm like, oh, man, this is not going to be good. I, I knew it. So we're working five, four, five months smooth. We're doing a party, and the manager comes out, and he's normally scary, scary guy, jumping to the conclusions all the time. He comes out, Alpha, Alpha. They're fighting inside. I'm like, bro, you look too calm for that. When I went inside, it was like blazing salad. They throw chairs, ice buckets. So I get back there and I see Ralph and I'm like, yo, what happened? And he got two guys. And I'm like, yo, like handle this. Like what's going on? He's like, yo, Alf, this guy hit me and I don't want to do nothing here because I don't want to jeopardize. I'm like, not thinking who I'm talking to. And our first response is, as men of the night, I'm like, yo, he hit you? Hit him back. Wrong thing, wrong thing to see. Completely wrong. Rel grabbed this guy and Pete brushed him. Bop, bop. By the third one, he was out. Now his family, it must've been a birthday party because it was 12 people that jumped on Rel and myself. Unbeknownst to them, they didn't realize what they did which was a total wrong move. And they didn't know how to fight at all. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? 12 people, not a fight in the bunch. They took a glorious beating. Unfortunately, I didn't think I was in the wrong at all. I would have hit in the garbage, honestly speaking. I'd have came out that garbage two days later for like, yeah, I wasn't going to jail. But I was just like, <sighs> police showed up. You know, they threw some punches, we threw some punches, here we are. That's, that's guns line. The police showed up and I was like, Jesus Christ, officers, thank God you're here. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Came to our place of business and tore the place up and jumped me and my friend. They ripped my sports coat. This is terrible. He said, Can you put your hands on your back, please? I'm like, me? I was attacked. I was attacked. Put your hands behind your back. I'm like, why, are you, why am I getting arrested? He goes, the losers go to the hospital, the winners go to jail. I was like, are you kidding me? And jail we went. And by the grace of God, we came out of that. I, 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 I. What did Rel say to you? We're and sitting in central sitting? bookings. All right, first of all, we're in central bookings. So I don't do drugs, I've never done drugs. They got me mixing company with crackheads and homeless people. Not to, you know, a homeless guy could be down in his luck. But in this time, in this time and moment in time, crackheads, a lot of them. You know, bad guys, bad people. And here I am, an upstanding member of the community. And we're standing up. And I'm like, why am I standing up? Man, yo, y'all, man, get off this bench, man. He's like, what? We ain't I say, yo, listen, you either get off this bench or I'll push you through them bars. They're like, oh. Get off the bench. So I told I told Bez, I told not Bez, may he rest in peace. I told Rel, 
you got to stand up. You got me in this mess. So he's like, man, move over, fat boy. So we're sitting there. He goes, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. This is crazy. He goes, Alf. I'm like, what? You think we went too far? Nigga, we in jail. Yeah, we went too far. <laughs> yeah, we went too far. <laughs> so the judge. Ben enjoys that story. I didn't. Wait, wait. Fredo, the judge. You go to see the judge. You don't no, remember? No, no. That was the same time where some of the guys got arrested and they showed up after. You went first. No, that was the okay. second time. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. That was the second time the same I get into a fight happened. with a Puerto Rican Justin Timberlake lookalike. Now, for some reason, this guy had all the go. I was working at a spot in Lower, Lower Manhattan. And um, this is right after this terrible, terrible incident that I was jumped and made it out with my life. And uh, I mean, I ain't going back to jail. I ain't, I ain't like that. That's, that was not cool. So this guy was, you know, he looked soft. He wasn't soft, he was a warrior. And um, <laughs> he's like, yo, big man, you soft, big man. Don't even look at me. I knock you out. I'm like, huh? Yeah, you heard me. I knocked you out, big boy. So the guy that I was training, so before we go to work, of course, we get there a little earlier, we do a couple of techniques. He was the big, he was the big guy. And he's like, man, he's not the guy to fool with. He's like, yo, he's soft. I'm like, man, you stay over there, stay over there. It's all cool, bro. He's like, yo, what? I'll punch you in the mouth right now. I'm like, whatever. To my surprise, punches me in the mouth. So just kept just just being arrested like a couple months before. I gave him this little tune, I'm not crazy. I restrained him. So I want him arrested. Cause I ain't like it. So hey, here you go. And uh owner of the club was like, man, we're not calling the cops here, bro. You gotta let him go. You gonna let him go after he just punched me in the face? I said, I want double my money, I'm going home. He goes, why double? I said, because you let this guy do what he wanted to do with me and it was no justice served. I need double my money, I'm going home. And I'm going home right now. I said, all right, pay me my money. I was actually working for Jessica that night. They paid me my money. And as I'm going back to my car, this guy's on the phone jonesing with his girl. I guess he was arguing, but you know, a man got woman problems. Man, I fight everybody before I fight my wife. You know what I'm saying? He's going through woman problems. And I figure I'm gonna just go rough him up. I should have just got in my car and went home. Nope. But I couldn't stay hit. Ain't no way. And I ain't give him, I ain't give it to him good. You know what I mean? So I, I see him on the phone. I put on my stuff in the car, looking for trouble. See ya, what up now, bro? What's going on now? He looks at me and go, you again? I call you back, baby, and windmilled at me like this. Hit me in the top of my head hard. So, you know, I had to defend myself. Got him good this time, right? Got him good. But I was so upset, I didn't stop. Made so much noise in the process, it called every police that was close by to figure out what is all this noise. Because it was a, you know, the downtown Manhattan streets are smaller. So there was like a gate and then there was like a, a, a tractor trailer thing. So I slammed them from tractor trailer to the gate and made a lot of noise. And then the cops came. It looked like I was robbing a guy. 
Put him down. Put him down. Put him down. Put him down. You know, all right. They locked me up again. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing back in this situation? Thank God he had to go to the hospital first. So now we have friends downtown Brooklyn, uh, downtown Manhattan, 100 Center Streets. Thank you very much for them. And uh, got me out of there fast. The judge later on, my, my lawyer told me later on when the guy came out of jail and it was like, oh, when the guy, when I was going to see the judge, the guy, the guy was coming in, everybody's like, damn bro, who beat you up like that? Yo, police beat you up like that. And I'm at the gate like a wild dog. I'm like, yeah, tell them who beat you up like that, bro. Tell them who beat you up, right? Because I'm still mad. I go upstairs, I go get it rain, they ROR me, release with my own recognizances or whatever. And then my lawyer was like, bro, you got out of here just in time. I was like, why? He's like, the, the judge was like, oh my God, young man, who did this to you? The DA was like, you just let him loose. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I, I dodged the bullet on that one. But he was caught with crack. He had a lot of crack on him. He, he had a crack pipe and he had crack to sell. But he was using and distributing. So that, that helped me a lot. Mm. And he was jonesing. He was going through it. You know, you know what? never fight a guy who's arguing with his wife. I'll tell you ahead of time. Anywhere, tournament, nothing. You don't want that smoke. <laughs> He's right. dealing with a different type of frustration. So, again, over the years, we've done all kinds of... Uh of parties, events, bodyguarding, and we'll get into the bodyguarding soon. But um, um, I had you at a club that eventually became a Korean club. But but before but before it became a Korean club, you were working there. And um, let's talk about the two big incidents that happened. Before that, we were all working at Cheetah Club. And at Cheetah Club, I was going through a part of my life where I was very stressed. I was actually, now I look back at it, I could tell, I could say I was depressed. You know what I'm saying? You know, things just wasn't right for me um, emotionally. And I was just dealing with it the wrong way. I was being a super soldier. That's how I cope with everything. And then, um, you know, and, and Cheetah, I think Cheetah was actually tougher than the tunnel. Tunnel was only one night. Cheetah was like four or five nights a week. And we're dealing with all the tough dudes. We had all the Jersey there. We had all the Queens there. We had all the Brooklyn, Long Island, every, every hood, but it was separate. It, was, it wasn't all at one time. It was different, but they were coming 20 deep, 30 deep. So we still had to deal with them. We had 12 guys working, but it was different drama every night from a different group of people. And with that being said, it was like, okay. So I'm not being the biggest guy there, but, you know, warrior is a warrior. I get, I, I walk a guy out to the front, and everybody's, as I'm walking them out, everybody's threatening me. So I just, you know, to make it easier on the guys that are receiving them, put them to sleep put them down, sit, prop them up. So Derek and Glenn had to deal with a lot of that, you know, but I didn't have to deal with any of it because yeah, yeah you tough until you're unconscious, party over, keep it moving. Now, um, moving forward, when they put my name in the hat to take over the new club, uh, AJ, Glenn, and Derek were partnered at the time. And Glenn was like, Alpha's a perfect fit. They're like, Alpha, are you crazy? He's gonna murder somebody and not under my insurance. I was like, oh man. So it, it bit me. And, and they me thought he crazy. couldn't do it. They they didn't, they didn't they thought, no, no, no. feel he AJ could do thought, it. AJ and Derek thought they could I they couldn't do it. Excuse me, I spoke to them, not yes. you. Yes. No, 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 no. They didn't no. think you could do it. They did think, yeah, you're right. But they also thought I was gonna hurt somebody. Yeah. 
That was also the excuse he gave me, whatever. And I was like, yo, bro, I promise you guys give me this club and uh, I promise I won't hurt nobody. Because I thought that was the issue, but I guess they didn't have the faith in me, but Glenn being one of my mentors, Glenn knew what he was capable of. So what I was you capable guys, of. You guys need anger management. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Not anymore, I'm, I'm good, I'm good now. Grab a mirror, sir. I got three daughters, I got three daughters, I'm, I'm good now. Listen, I never knocked out a guy who didn't deserve it. Yeah, but you, you don't get angry. But every and time you it was look only one cool and calm. It didn't mean you didn't express yourself in other ways. And every time with only one punch. Uh, you had that one hit of quitter. <laughs> okay, Fred. Glenn, I'm gonna make you laugh, right? So he's on there, he's on Facebook with the brick. So I text him, I said, you know you can just call 911 now, right? <laughs> remember, that, remember that, sir? No. Like, oh yes, 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 I do. I was like, you I know do. you can just call 911. <laughs> you don't gotta put bricks anymore. You can just call 911. He's like, Alpha, man, you're crazy. I do, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah, but I was well, just joking everybody. Know, I, I never I never knocked out anybody. Please, I was just joking everybody. You're gonna lie on your own podcast, sir? Yeah. So you're gonna lie on your about, own podcast. Remember, this is about alpha. <laughs> remember, keep it on alpha. I only okay. defended myself. Keep, keep okay. I, I only defended myself. Right, and believe so. it or not, it, it was a lot of, I guess a lot of guys didn't like how I handled them. So, you know, it felt like at the end of the night, I always had somebody waiting for me. Uh, even even Bolo, I'm like, so when they wait for you, we jump them. When they wait for me, I got to shoot the five. I said, I see how this is going. I see how this is going. When they wait for me, I was a jerk. So they wait for me. So I got to, I got to show and prove now. And that was all the time. I'm a one night in front of cheetahs. So one of my issues were, you know, I'm an octopus. It's right here. Here it is. This is my, this is my, this is my style. This is my school. This is my, my spirit, my heart, right? And you know, for the guys on the inside who didn't know my instructor, for the guys on the inside who knew my instructor, knew that he was a warrior with every step, with every sense of the word, and trained us to be warriors. For everybody else that didn't know the style or it wasn't a traditional style, so it was always like, yeah, what's that? So I always had to show and prove, or I had to prove myself a little bit more because nobody understood what Iron Octopus was. You know what I'm saying, sir? So yeah. I always had to prove. So Glenn, Glenn see me go through it a little bit, um, but I always had to prove myself a little bit more. So well, let me tell you something, which you don't know. And what a lot of people don't know, and people are going to be shocked to hear this, especially you, Alpha. When I started DAS, Deadly Art of Survival, um, actually the name was patented and thought of in 1974. Prior to that, for one year, when I first got my black belt, I called it the octopus. Ooh. In 1973, for one year, I called it the octopus Ooh. because I was studying four different styles at one time. And it was like the, the only thing I can associate what I was doing with, was the octopus having different arms. And, but that concept just didn't work enough because it was only four styles I was studying. So, and the octopus has what, eight arms, right? So, sure. I, so, so I changed it in 1974 because uh, um, I just felt that it wasn't appropriate. And then I came up with the concept of the deadly art survival. So my teacher, 
the definition of the octopus was each tentacle reached out at a fighting form. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of weapons. We did a lot of grappling. We did a wide gambit of martial arts. You know, not even to go down the list right now. But uh, and but but he taught. I learned the system from Master Phoenix, from Chief Instructor Broit, from uh, Master uh, Powell, mm-hmm. Powell Martial Arts in Brooklyn, Master Chris David, Powell. huh? Chris Powell. Yeah, Chris Powell. Right. Um, we call him Baby Professor, and um, Hanchi Leroy Harton. I learned the system from them, but I got the mindset from my professor, Grandmaster Richard Sinclair. And he, you know, it was the same thing. If you could tell me what to do, you could tell me what to do. And uh, he gave me the mindset. He said, let me explain something to you. After you push this ground, he had us doing 2,000 push-ups every day. We did 2,000 push-ups every day for like a year and a half. And then on Mondays and Wednesdays, we did 3,000 push-ups. It was absurd. But that type of dedication has to go along with it. And uh, along with the push-ups, thousand kicks, thousand crunches, thousand jumping jacks, thousand, you know what I'm saying? Thousand strikes. So with that type of dedication, it, it strengthens your mindset. He was like, yo, I want to see the person who's going to stand in front of you after you push this ground 2,000 times. But that person exists, sir, no, sir! Out of our minds. Literally out of my minds. And I got a funny story. So you know Caribbean parents, don't play about these sons. I'm gonna tell you. Parents in general don't play about these sons. So I'm at number 850 push-ups, and I wake up and my arms go dead. I wake up and I'm 18 years old, living with mommy. And I wake up and I can't, I went to touch my face and nothing happened. I went to touch my face with my other hand, nothing happened. Man, I panicked. I called my mother, mommy. Mommy, I can't move my arms. She's like, what do you want me to do? I say, call professor. First of all, that was the wrong move. Wrong move. My mother got my teacher on the phone and cussed him out. Wow. She goes, Professor Sinclair, I don't know what stupidness we got going on down there, but I'm afraid I can't feel his hands. And this is the heights of foolishness. And I don't know what you're, I'm not going to take him to the hospital right now. She just let him have it. He's like, uh, put Alfred on the phone. I'm like, good morning, sir. He said, let me explain something. He's like, before that, he's like, what happened? I don't know, sir. I can't feel my arm, sir. He's like, how much push-ups you do? I said, 850, sir. He's like, good, good, good. You're almost getting there. He's like, go take a hot shower and take four animals. I said, yes, sir. And if you ever put your mother on the phone with me, boy, we'll kill you in this dojo. You understand me, sir? He's like, you understand me, son? I was like, yes, sir, yes, sir. Man, I was afraid to go back to school. I swear, because my mom let him have it. He said, so, you know, that was one of the funniest stories on the way, you know what I mean, to, uh, to that type of uh, high-intensity high tra- high intensity training. But that's what kept us on our toes. And he actually taught us right. He, he also got us ready for a right training. He did right training. So we learned it on Monday. We did a right scenario. So in the riot, he taught us to step out, Punch, punch, strike, strike, kick, come back, touch. Back to back with your partner. You spin like a kata. You feel me? Step out, one, two, three, come back, touch. One, two, three, come back, touch. One, two, three, come back, touch. So we did that until we spun the room twice. 
after you spend the room twice and you analyze what's happening. So believe it or not, I mean, man, this shit ain't gonna work. But Italy, that's what he wants us to do. So we did it on Monday. We did it Wednesday night. That same riot scenario. And Wednesday night, we ran a Haitian club. And we had the rowdiest band, the equivalent to like the Red Hot Chili Peppers of the, 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 the Haitian of the Haitian nightlife or the Haitian uh, music scene. It was called Phantom. They had the rowdiest club. They had the rowdiest followers. And we got into a fight that night. And that technique saved us because by the time we did second rotation, everybody, everybody came close to us, we knocked them out. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. We kept the pushing. And we did it so effectively and we knew what to do. We had a we had a format to follow. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just going out there fighting for your life. No, we had to step out, defend, come back to home base. Spin, defend, come back to home base. Spin, defend, come back to home base. And that that literally saved our life. When we realized that nobody was coming near us anymore, everybody ran to the other side of the room and was throwing chairs now. It was crazy. But that technique saved our life. And that was just the second time we did it. Let's talk about let's talk about your bodyguard experience. So who who have you bodyguarded? Start with the uh, I've bodyguarded Queen Latifah. Bodyguarded with, with Glenn, uh, we bodyguarded Nas. Uh, bodyguarded, uh, and I'm talking about you know we we ran through a lot of people, short moments, but we ran through. I'm talking about extended stays, going out on the road. Uh, I did Queen Latifah for for Master Flex weekend, and Queen Queen Latifah was already. She already did set it off. She already did a couple of stuff, and she's already UNITY. You know what I'm saying? The Queen. So she Flex was like. Listen, man, I'm going to put my strongest killer on you. And I come in, he's like, she's like, this little guy, I'm taller than him. I'm like, we the same size, lady. Chill out. You know what I mean? But I said, don't worry, I'm going to hold you down. Ain't nobody going to come near you. She said, all right, we'll see. And uh, it was from Master Flex's birthday party the weekend. So she came to the Palladium on Friday, and then she came to the tunnel on Sunday. And we held it down. Held it down so well, she went on from Master Flex show on Monday. And this is back when we had beepers. And she said, I want to shout out Alpha and the Bash Brothers and Iron Octopus. These guys held me down because it was all on myself. And then I had her as a principal also. And, um, you know, my side, my professor was able to hear. He was listening to Hot 97 on the way home and he heard it. And the whole neighborhood heard it. Everybody started beeping me. Yo, Queen Latifah was talking about you on the radio. You know what I mean? So that felt fantastic. It felt to get a little bit. Of, it felt good to get a little bit of acknowledgement. Um, moving forward, uh, we bodyguarded a lot of stars here and there. We had a big fight with Capone and Noriega at the tunnel. Right, this must have been like November, and then Summer Jam. Robin Patty, they had it's you know, it's the biggest thing in New York City. But at this time, it was you know, gangster rap. So I'm like, uh, can I have a Shanti, please? They're like, nah, if you got something special for you, I'm like, ooh, they got something special for me, good. You and Bolo gonna have Capone and Norby. I'm like, are you kidding me, bro? Man, I don't like these dudes, B. These dudes just gave us a hard time at the club because they was rolling with a murder unit at the time. And murder unit was a, a thorough, some thorough guys out of uh, the Bronx and Queens, man, you know what I'm saying? And Norby was linked up with them at the time. And I was like, yo, this is, 
this is terrible. But we 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 handle ourselves so good when we had the internet to tell them they can believe they never seen anybody pray like that. And you know the level of defense that we that we put on. And I and believe me, it wasn't my choosing. It was Bobo. Bobo's a superstar. He's a superhero. I'm just a sidekick. Um so at the time, and when I say Bolo, Patrick Mark Bolo was my sensei at the time. I was underbelt almost the entire time. I got my black belt in 99. But before that, I was a yellow belt, green belt, going through the ranks. And Bolo, Bolo helped to coach and mold me to, to one of the warriors that I am today, as long as long as as, as long as, as Glenn did as well, too. So, you know, I was I was learning, I was learning on the go, you know what I mean? So I had techniques. And they had nightlife scenarios. Um, so when he gave us Capone and Norby, I was like, man, I don't even like to talk to these guys. So I'm like, yo, man, I ain't got nothing to say to y'all, man. We good. I'm going to hold y'all down for the day and we, we out. He said, nah, man, we were looking for y'all. And I'm like, yeah, for what? He said, yo, nah, chill out, baby, man, I got you. We want you to come on the road with us. I'm like, nah, no thanks. Tough dudes don't need bodyguards. They need shields. I ain't going to be your shield, baby. You can forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Tough dudes don't need bodyguard. If you tough, you need a shield. I'm not gonna be your shield. Mm -hmm. I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm an uncle. Nah, I'm cool. He said, nah, nah, we're not about no trouble. I, I, I just got, I'm signed to Death Jam. We, I got a hit song with Pharrell. We're gonna be doing, we're gonna be a, do a tour. No, 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 no hood business. It's all professional, all big arenas. I'm like, he's like, yo, man, we gonna work it out, man. I'm gonna give you my, uh, my manager's number. All right, and we went on the we went on the road with them. I was on the road with them for a year. They called me a, a presidente, secret service, because most of the time I was by myself. So I had to take extra precautions because I'm by myself. You know, the entourage is 10, 12 guys. I'm by myself. I'm not dependent on them. I'm not dependent on them to have my back. I gotta have my back. If it's to be, it's up to me. So I can't put myself in a position. I can't allow them to put, my, put me in a position. I can't allow them to put themselves in a position. So I was just extra tight. They're like, all right, see, the Secret Service is balling today. So I go in everybody's room, I check everybody's room. I'm checking, you know what I'm saying? I'm checking. I, I, I argue with every, every, all the hotel guys, don't tell nobody what floor we on, you know what I'm saying? I'm checking the hotel bus. I, I talk to all the drivers. We're, we're in Virginia one night. And we're in Virginia, in the hood of Virginia. And a guy, a car behind us bumps our van. And the driver's like, man, you bumped us? Ah, oh, man, I'm going to pull over. I pulled out my little pocket knife. I said, listen, man, if you pull this car over, I'm going to stab you myself. He said, no. Nah. I said, no, 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 no. You're not pulling over. Let the insurance pay for that shit later. Excuse my language. Let the insurance pay for it later. You're not pulling over. Go straight to the hotel. Make no stop. Don't even slow down. I don't even want you stopping for lights. You can slow roll on the light. You can slow, slow roll through the light and keep it pushing. Do you understand me? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, all right, cool. I called, I took the room key, I called the hotel. I said, listen, we're being followed. I need police officers to meet me at the hotel. I perceive, I got, I got rappers with me and I believe they want to rob us. So I'm just being, I'm being cautious. They're like, yo, Alf, man, you tripping, man. It ain't even that serious, it ain't even that serious. Man, yo, pull over, yo, we deep in here, yo. We, we let everybody have it. Have what? We in a dark road, on a dirt road in Virginia. In the middle of the night, uh -uh, I'm not. No, thank you. I don't like the odds of that. I'm cool. Um. So as we're pulling into the hotel, the cops pull into the hotel. The car that was following us the whole time, but bumping us and flashing their lights for us to pull over. 
Soon as he seen the cops pull into the hotel, and we was pulling into the hotel, they went straight. So I'm like, who's crazy now? Why they didn't want to talk to us while the cops was here? If it's just a traffic stop, right? If it's just a, a hit and run, or, or, or they bumped us by accident, why they didn't want to talk while the cops is here? Because they want to do us dirty. But thank God, I'm being paranoid. My paranoia just saved everybody's life. Because you don't know what could have happened. These guys are in their backyard. We're visiting. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's a whole lot. <laughs> a whole lot. Yeah. Looks like we're about just about running out of time. Uh, yeah, it's about that time, yeah. sir. Yeah, it's about that time. Any, and then, any other questions, sir? Come on, again. Jacob, we couldn't hear you. No, we might have to do another one because uh, I wanted to get into the dog uh, service that, that Alpha has. So we didn't go into that. Well, can we, catch go another five minutes? can we catch another five minutes here, Jake? Yeah, we could do that. Okay, so go ahead, Alpha. Tell us about your the Connie Corsos and what you're doing, everything. And tell us so, some of the you sold to as well. So, you know, being being black boys from Brooklyn, we weren't expected to be even in the game of, of being a, an Italian master. So it was a lot of, you know, racism kind of like, they didn't want us there. They definitely didn't want me there. At, at where though, yet. Alpha? Be specific, at where? At the dog shows. Right, at the, right, these dog shows. At the dog shows. They're like, we, we don't show pit bulls yet. Good, I don't have a pit bull. So as, as you can see, this is my, my uh, shirt. My shirt, one of my logos. Bodyguard King Corso. The head of the dog is, draw, is drawn after one of my dogs. And um, we were the first ones to get a, a working title, a Shih Tzu title. So Shih Tzu is what all the police dogs and all the army dogs need to be able to work on the field. And we were the first kennel in the history of County Corsos, myself and my partner Tyrone Wright, to get a Shih Tzu three title on a County Corso. We did, we did that in 2009. And then in 2019, I was the first black man to win at Westminster Dog Show, um, winner's dog at uh, at Westminster. So I was, that was a challenge. ever first man ever, ever, ever. with a kind of horse. No, there are all the there are all the black men that show other breeds, but I was the first to handle and breed. So the breeders don't handle and the handlers don't breed. Wow, and that was a, and that was a funny story because I was paying a handler, but then I you know. I didn't, we didn't agree to our terms. And I'm like, I do it myself. You kidding me? I got this. And I was like, yo, man, I, 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 don't, I don't want to do this anymore. He's like, <laughs> he started laughing at me. He's like, well, my, name's a, my name ain't Alfredo Grinion, sir. That's your name. You got to do it now. Your name's on the paper. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? And I actually started getting cold feet. But, you know, got to show and prove. So I had to go through with it. And I did, and I was able to get it. So it was, a, it was a, I get, you know, goosebumps thinking about it now. Um, and we was able to sell, we was able to get dogs in a lot of good homes, man, you know. Um, we send dogs all over the Caribbean. I got dogs in every state. I got a lot of dogs in New Jersey and New York. Um, so you breed dogs? I breed dogs. I've been breeding dogs for 30 years, sir. Wow. First, I started out with Doberman and Rockwallers, and then um, that's how I started doing nightlife. And then I got into the Italian Massive in 1999. And since 1999, I've been breeding kind of horses. So you keep some of them at your home? Yes, I own more than one dog here. A lot of them. More than one. <laughs> He's got and more dogs than he has kids. You, you keep them in the backyard. Well, I have a I have a I have a kennel set up, so yeah. uh, my dogs in the 
climate controlled environment. So, you know, sometimes when I'm at work, I get frustrated because I'm like, man, it's raining and my dogs are home warm and cuddly and they got my black behind sitting in out here in the rain and in the snow. So I always got an attitude when I got to work in the rain because my dogs are home warm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We have a, I have a separate, uh, I have a, I have a uh, three car garage and I have a, a shed area and that's where they sleep at night. They're, they're roaming the property in the daytime and at night they sleep in a climate controlled environment. So they got it good. How much property, fat, you see like me. What was How much property do you have? I got three, I got, I got a little under three acres. Wow. And we're in the Poconos, yeah. Wow. Uh, we were blessed to see the vision and uh, I got a five bedroom, three bathroom home on almost three acres. Wow. Good for you, man. Proud of you, man. Proud of you. Yes, sir. And you know, I, believe it or not, my dogs got me here because if it wasn't for the dogs, I really didn't have a reason to leave Brooklyn. But I know I needed space. So they got me to come out here, you know? Okay. okay. Go over some of the uh, celebrities you sold dogs to. Um, little Uzi Vert is the newest one. He got one of my dogs. Rockwaller, the producer. Grammy, Grammy award-winning Rockwaller, the producer. Uh, he, he bought two of my dogs. He was one of my first customers. Um, Alicia Keys and Swiss Beats. I've been to their beautiful mansion five, six times. You know what I'm saying? My dog pissed all over the yard. It was crazy. Spit all over Alicia Keys' leg. I was like, I'm sorry, Miss Keys. You know what I'm saying? But uh, they was able to take the dog in it. If you look on, if you look on somewhere on Instagram, that dog's got that dog's on a private jet, part of the family. He's one of the kids. Got it good. Wow, wow, that's incredible stuff, man! Incredible stuff. And, and, and I can say, thank you, sir. I, I can say, I, I, you know, I have, I was able to earn over two million dollars selling dogs. Wow. So we took a hobby, and made it a career, and we took another hobby and made it a living. I mean, so it was good. Um, good for you, man. Well, we, we are out of time. So it looks like we got to close out. But I really want to thank you for being on our show tonight. And uh, I know that the people got it. This is one of the better ones we've done. This is a really good one. This was really um, good. I'm just getting warmed up. It's past my bedtime. Yeah. It's literally past my bedtime. You get me earlier, I get on here and cut up. You tell me how bad you want me to cut up, sir. We can turn it all the way up. Up to you. No, this was good. <laughs> this was good, man. We we don't want any anybody to get the idea to go out and have a, a go beat up bouncer night. No, 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 sir, no, sir, because you know that would be a bad uh, that'd be a bad recommendation because you know. Yeah. yeah. So we appreciate you, man, Glenn. Jake, you had, had anything else to say? I think we're good. I think we're. Can good. I say one last thing? Sure. The difference between police and bouncers. Remember this, Glenn. Go ahead. Police make you move because they have a gun and a badge. You're welcome. I'm a bouncer. I tell you to move, you move because I said so. End of story. Wow. I should have said that years ago. I did. <laughs> Glenn said it and we live by it. When I, when I ask you to move, I'm not joking. I'm serious. Somebody, a, a cop tells you, hey man, you gotta, you gotta move. You got a badge out, got his hand on his gun. You got to move. I roll up to you with a black t-shirt wearing nothing else. You got to move. Yeah. Yep, I remember those days. Well, man, thank you, man. And God bless you, man. Well, we sir, thank you very much. Glenn, I appreciate you. I love you. I cook food. You already know. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for showing up tonight. Jacob, let's see that face. Jacob, thank you for having me.
Uh, well, it's Jacob. Hey, Jacob, I want to I want to do the Iron Octopus story, but it's not only my story to tell. Us. Well, we gotta talk to the founder. Yeah. Uh, we we get all the fellas together. Okay, we'll do. We'll we'll figure it out. Sure. Awesome. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks uh, again. Good night, all. Good night. Be good. Thank you. This was wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.